You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into the Double Switch Podcast. It is episode six, and I am your host, Jonathan Butler, and I once again have my co-host, Michael Buckenroth, back on the other side. You can find me on Twitter as at DadSox and Michael as at BearsFan5233. You can find the show at Double Switch Pod. So now that we have the socials out of the way, why don't we get into our show? So how are you doing tonight, Michael? I'm doing good. I just want to let everybody know uh, just some... I'm back. A little bit of things going on in life, but we got them all taken care of. Now I'm ready to keep talking about some baseball. And for some leagues, it's almost playoff time, right? Yeah, I know. Oh. I In my main league, my home league, we've got one more week of regular season, and then we go to a three-week playoff system. I know your, your league starts, what, tomorrow for the playoffs? Yep, my league starts tomorrow. Uh, it's like a wild card area, so um, we did – one and two get to sit out and then three to nine got to play. So okay. three, three goes against nine. Or four goes eight, against, three, eight. Yeah. Three, eight. Get, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. The three, eight, what? Four, seven, and then five, six. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we have a little bit of a wild card going in tomorrow. And as of right now, um, as we're recording this, I am in the playoffs by 0. 0.50 percentage oh, points. So if anybody, let's see, I think if, <laughs> I think he might be over with. So I think I made the playoffs actually. So how crazy is that? A hit away from making the playoffs. That's crazy. That's, that is brutal. I know I lost in uh, my, what it would have been the, well, second to last round. So the, the pre championship round, I can't think of what it is, the semifinals. I lost that by a home run in an RBI last year because we're a categories head-to-head league. And I had Bellinger, Pete Alonzo, and one other player going last year. Couldn't get that out of the last damn game. (laughs) I couldn't get anything. And and the fact that I was the second favorite team to win and to be that close and lose, that was the hardest thing to me. Yeah, I'm going against – so now that I've snuck in, I do have to go against that, that three seed. And he's, he's, it's going to be tough, but you know, just the, the fact of making the playoffs is always a good feeling anytime. Oh yeah. And it's just like regular, regular baseball that we watch. It's, you never know what's going to happen. The playoffs are a crazy time and you can have those weeks where your whole team goes cold or your whole team gets hot. And it's, it's really, really difficult to judge what's going to happen. Yeah, that's what I'm going to cross my fingers for. But my big money league, I'm still in first place. Uh, I've done just every time I've done a drop and and an ad, it's it's worked out for me. It's just it's crazy to to think that these guys that I've been in these leagues with have been just always just destroying me. But this <laughs> year, I'm just 
I'm catching, I'm just catching fire. And like, literally, like I said, two weeks ago, maybe actually three weeks ago, I picked up Dom Smith and he is just going off. Um, let's see. I picked up JD Davis and he's had an okay few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up Cronenworth. We all know if you listen to the last podcast yeah. and we're going to talk about him again a little bit later, but if you picked him up, it's just, it, it's been a good year for, for me to add and drop. And I actually have one more week in that. Uh, and then I go into the playoffs, but if I stay first, I get to sit for at least a week. So what about your big money leagues? Uh, just none of them really big money. All of them are just bragging rights, but, uh, all of them are going successful. I'm in the top two or three in all, in all three of my leagues. So I'm happy with that. So I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the playoffs, even though I have one week left and we're, as we're getting ready for the playoffs, so are the MLB teams as well. Yeah. Because obviously we've had a lot of trades. We're going to get to that here shortly. The only thing we obviously have to mention is the A's and the Astros were postponed today and the Astros actually shut down their alternate site as well due to positive COVID tests. So that, that kind of sucked. I really wanted to see uh, Jesus Luzardo go today. Always excited for every single one of his starts. And unfortunately we didn't get to see that today because of it. And it looks like they, the best case for the Astros is to play again Tuesday at the earliest because they don't have a game tomorrow and as for the athletics we really don't know so i'm hoping there's not too much of a delay because this is a crucial time of year for us obviously with us discussing the playoffs yeah and that's just i mean there's a lot of people that have like the matt chapman's and the and the matt olsen's like i in my dynasty league I know he hasn't had a great year at all, but he's my pretty much my only catcher because I have uh, Sean Murphy and mm. uh, Jan Gomes. And I never want to play Jan Gomes, but <laughs> Murphy hasn't been – but now I'm sitting here like, am I really going to have to play Jan Gomes all week? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this isn't good. And it's it's really hard, these delays, just because, yeah, you get the – boost when you get the double headers and things like that but obviously your big name guys may not play every single game but also i mean if you don't get those games in before the playoffs you may not be in the playoffs to take advantage of it so it that's a huge blow and it's unfortunate and obviously a lot of astros games being canceled is huge fantasy as much as people hated their scandal last year or it would be being revealed last year at least it's it's, people still have them the george springers the alex bregmans the carlos correas they're still a valuable valuable part of the team so yeah finally they start playing kyle tucker (laughs) and now look what's gonna happen you know (laughs) he's been destroying it too the fact i'm so glad they gave him time and he's proving that he's still a damn good ball player Mm -hmm. i feel like he i could be wrong but i think he leads the league in triples i feel like every time i see uh, look at the stats. I look at triples, and he has like, oh yeah, he has six triples this year. Oh my god! In the second place <laughs> is Candelario from Detroit, and he has three. Really? That's literally doubling him. That is weird, especially Heimer Candelario is not a guy you would think of as a speedster, at least. But yeah, and then and again, playing in spacious uh, Comerica Park, that helps. Yeah, and then Yastrzemski has three too, so he's tied with Candelario. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. But why don't we get into the trades because there's a lot to break down here. We've got not just the trades that have happened, but we're going to dig into the rumors that are currently going on. And 
if you haven't seen a lot of social media, if you've been away for the weekend, the Padres have been active. They are pushing all in, but they haven't given up any of their big names, really, either. Anyone from their top five prospects. So the first trade that really went down with them was Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals. I almost said Chiefs, kind of getting into football mode. But (laughs) getting from... Trevor Rosenthal from the Royals to the Padres for outfielder Edward Olivares. I'm a huge fan of him. He's done a lot. Uh, Obviously not this season, but in the minor leagues, he's looked really good. He's got a ton of potential. And I like this move for both sides. The Padres have had their bullpen meltdown over the last few weeks, and they lost uh, Kirby Yates to injury as well. So he's done for the year. And Rosenthal's looked really good back to his, uh, earlier career self where he's just absolutely dominating batters. He's able to close out games if they need him to. I mean, what do you think about this trade, Mike? Um, I mean, I think it fits both teams, you know, I mean, the Padres, like you just said, they need bullpen help. So they're going to probably make a run for the championship this year. So why not go get Rosenthal to help that bullpen? And um, Olivieris goes to a team that, you know, really isn't in the talk of a run for anything. And he could actually probably get some playing time um, over there. And I think it could work out both teams. If you had to say, who do you think in three years wins this trade? It's, I mean, hmm. I'd probably still give it to the Padres, even if they don't resign Trevor Rosenthal the fact that they're going to get this chance to get that bite at the apple in the playoffs. And it's been a while. And the fact that, I mean, Olivares is good. He's got some good potential, but he's really struggled this year with almost 40% K percentage. So striking out that often isn't going to lead to a high batting average. He doesn't walk a ton, but I like what he can do, but at almost uh, 24 and a half years old, I'm still going to go with the Padres, especially because this is their chance or at least one of their chances. And I'm actually trying to see if Trevor, because I'm, I think he, yeah, he's only on a one-year deal. So they could always resign him. He took one year, 1.75 million. He's definitely going to get paid more than that next year. But I would probably still have to say that the Padres win this deal easily just because you've got to take these chances and I don't see Oliveris becoming a superstar. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think he's going to be a good bat in the lineup. Um, but I think especially with bullpens being so uh, you need to have a good bullpen if you want to make a good run. Yeah. He's been filthy here, here. volatile. Yeah. So what about Mitch Moreland going to the Padres for Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario? What do you think about that trade? I love this. I think this is a win-win for both sides. I think this is definitely a better deal for the Red Sox and the Padres because the Red Sox weren't going to re-sign Mitch Moreland. It didn't fit their timeline. He's already, where is it, 34 years old. So the Padres definitely got their guy that they needed, and they gave up Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario. Uh, Potts is a high-floor guy. It doesn't look like he's going to be a superstar at, a, at third base, but there's a lot to like there in his game. He's going to be a solid big leaguer. There's no worry there, but he does have some ceiling as well. And then Jason Rosario is, I don't know a whole lot about, I fully admit that, 
but I've seen a lot of people waxing poetic a little bit of he's the guy to watch in this trade because Hudson Potts is a high floor guy. Definitely exciting, but Rosario has a little bit more ceiling than Potts does, especially as a left-handed bet. So I'm curious to see how he develops at 20 years old. And he's got a solid floor with double-digit walk percentages, strikes out somewhere around 20% of the time so far in his young career. So as much as the Red Sox love Benintendi, I think they'll be ready to move on from him soon enough. Oh. <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, it's like how many more bad years can you have in a row to where it's just like, yeah, you were a prospect like a while ago, but you you just cannot. It's just not working. You know, I mean, I had I had Benintendi this year, and I think we talked about at an earlier podcast, like he was my bust of the week. And I'm just like, okay, maybe we'll go into next week. And then it was the next week it was bad. And it was just like. It almost was the best thing for him to get hurt for for my team, you know? Right. And it it's just, I don't know what happened to him. I, I really don't. The fact that he was, he wasn't projected to be like a 30 home run, 30 stolen base type guy, but everybody's like, okay, 2020, we could see that every year out of him. Solid floor. Not, shouldn't be much above that because he didn't have the power. And then just, between last year and this year, he's just lost it. I mean, he's 2017 was his big year with a seven striking out 17% of the time. Okay. Below league average, I think. But then these last two years, 22.8 and 32.7 this year. It, yeah. I, I really don't know what happened to his game. <laughs> it's been ridiculous. And it's even last year. Okay. 13 and 10. It was respectable in terms of home runs and stolen bases. But just, I don't know what happened to Benintendi. And I've seen people break it down. He's swinging more and he's missing more. But why? Like, I, I'd love to get into his mind and f- figure out what happened between those couple of years. Yeah, so, no, I, I, I want to know too. Because I feel like every year, just like we were kind of talking off the podcast about uh, Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. he just hit a grand slam pinch hit grand slam today <laughs> and i told john that and he goes man that's crazy and we were talking about how just every year at the draft you see certain people at a certain round and you're like oh that's a steal and that's how i feel about ben Intendi, which i need to stop feeling that way because it's just <laughs> not a steal anymore it, yeah. it really isn't and it's to tack onto that it's i saw the tweet of as we were uh, setting up for the podcast, the fact that they were pinch hitting him, I figured he's going to strike out. He's going to ground out something else, but I, I hadn't really paid attention to him because I don't have any stock in him. And I looked it up. He's got a 134 batting average and a 618 OPS. And obviously it's a grand slam. We know he can hit bombs, but the likelihood in that is just so low for Gary Sanchez. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's, there's a, and that's something I'll be excited to talk about with you over the off season and going into next season of who are those mind traps? Who are those guys that you've bought into year after year, or at least the last year or two that just have bitten you or which ones do we see as true values or guys you just don't want to touch because you know where it's going to go, or at least you have a feeling about it. So I'm excited about that for next year. Yeah. Now, as for Mitch Moreland though, I'm going to ask you about it. What do you think? Are you excited as in, if you were Eric Hosmer, are you excited to have him over or are you not? 
Um, if I'm Eric Hosmer, if I'm Eric Hosmer or am I the Eric Hosmer owner? Eric Hosmer owner. I should have. <laughs> owner. No, that's fine. Um, so if you're the Eric Hosmer owner, I mean, we were kind of talking about this earlier and the only person that's taking any time away from Hosmer right now is Josh Naylor. And if I was the Padres, I would just say, look, I'm sorry, Naylor, but we're trying to win now. And I would put Moreland as the DH and Hosmer at first. Um, obviously, like maybe on an off day for Hosmer or one of the two, I would give Naylor the spot. But I personally, I don't think I'm so worried, but I would definitely monitor maybe like this week to see what they do with Moreland and uh, Hosmer. Uh, their playing situation and Naylor as well. So I wouldn't say like I would go out and be trying to get rid of Hosmer anyway, but, but I would be a little bit worried and maybe look into this week to see how uh, they played it. What about you? I honestly, I don't think as if you were a Hosmer owner or Eric Hosmer, as I put it, <laughs> I don't think you'll have to worry too much about playing time. Uh, I pulled up baseball press in the last over the last week, Hosmer's played first every day. Their DH has mostly switched between Ty France, Greg Garcia, and today Manny Machado. Of course, they want to give him a slight off day. But for the most part, it's been uh, Naylor in left field, Greg Garcia and Ty France switching at DH. So I think that you're just going to swap Moreland in, put him in DH, and that's it. Because the Padres have had, so far this season, a 246 batting average and an OPS under 700 from their DH position. Obviously, they weren't expecting to have a DH going into the season. So you didn't see them buy into a guy in free agency that could have been like an Edwin Encarnacion. But to go and nab a guy that's 34 years old that currently is just crushing everything this season and I mean, you look at his baseball savant page, everything is red when it comes to hitting. He is absolutely killing it. He's in the top uh, 90th. He's in the 90th percentile for barrels, for hard hit rate, for everything. And it is it is pure red, which is awesome. And to add him to that already powerful lineup that has Tatis, that has Machado, that has Trent Grisham at the top. I mean, you this is your top five when it comes to it. Trent Grisham at number one, Tatis at two, Machado three, Hosmer fourth, and then you're probably going to slide in uh, Mitch Moreland at fifth or sixth at the DH spot, and you still have Will Myers and Jake Cronenworth. That top seven is going to be really, really hard to contend with. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and then they went out and also we'll go to the next one. They, they're they pretty much their weakest position right now, would you say, is catcher, right? Yeah, yeah. And, Just, and they went and, out. Especially because you have Naylor in left field, but it's mostly because Tommy Pham's been missing time. You add Pham into that lineup, catcher's definitely their weakest position so far. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Jason Castro is a world like a great catcher, but I mean, he's right now probably going to be the best catcher out of Francisco Mejia and uh, Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges, yeah. So I mean, they went. They went and got Jason Castro uh, from the Angels, and they received uh, right-handed pitcher Gerardo Reyes. I don't know much about him. Do you? No, Gerardo Gerardo Reyes is a reliever. It's not anything fantastic, but Jason Castro wasn't going to net you anything really close. 
So I like Jason Castro, though. He's been uh, fairly solid, if I can actually try to find his stats. But uh, Austin Hedges has hit below 200 so far this season. He never was a great offensive catcher. And that's mostly where they're lacking of, hey, get a guy that can hit. So, so far this season, Jason Castro is not too much of an upgrade. He's only batting 192. (laughs) He's got 10 walks to 23 strikeouts and uh, two home runs. So a lot of that, I think, is just them trying to find a platoon because Jason Castro has improved his defense over the last year. That was something he always struggled with. But that was why a lot of people loved the move to LA for him was that fact that you didn't have anyone really going to compete with time for Castro. I'm sure they were hoping they would get something above the Mendoza line, but unfortunately that's not going to happen. But it's a solid, it's a solid guy to platoon with Reyes and Mejia if you're going to still go that route, but you have a guy that's a vet that can work with the young pitching staff. That's probably been a lot of their struggles too. Yeah. And then I just looked at Francisco Mejia He's actually uh, three for 38 this year. Oh, my God. Uh, one of those hits is a homer. He is batting .79. His on base, 1.46. Or oh, my gosh. .146. Slugging is .184. And OPS is .331. Oh, and this guy was a huge catching prospect yeah. for, for Cleveland for how long? A couple of years. I mean, two to three years at least with the hype that he got because we don't always see catchers get the hype. But, yeah, he was built up to be the next big thing. And he has not – I mean, what are we at (sighs) career-wise? He's batting two twenty five in his career. He has 12 homers in his career. Um, I mean, his his, uh, slugging percentage, his career is .387. It's just like – Yeah, it's – it's been a struggle. He's only got just over a year of service time just because of the way that he bounced between the minors and the majors. Yeah. But man, he's already 20, almost 25 years old. And I mean, his fan graphs is long from 2013 all the way to here. Now it's been seven years, at least professionally. Yeah. And he just has not developed the way people thought he would. That is like you said, I mean, he is only 25, so it's not like it's, Oh, he's, he's a complete, I mean, at this point I would say he's a huge bust, but because he's 25 years old, I'm going to, you know, give him a little bit of a break. Yeah. You Um, still have some potential there. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's going to be with the Padres, even just with how he's hit and how his defense has been. His defense has been one, almost one win above replacement this year, but previous years he's never cracked even positively. Do you think he gets traded? Probably. I mean, there's going to be somebody that wants to take the possibility on him because he's ARB eligible in 2022. So he's still got one year of team control and he's got one more option left as well. So he's a, he's not a free agent till 2025 when he'll be 30 years old. So somebody's going to take a chance on him for cheap. I don't see why not. Yep. But then we did have two other smaller trades. I'm not a huge fan of them. We don't know really any details about them, so we won't spend a whole lot of time on them. But it's Tommy Malone to the Braves for two players to be named later, and then Jose Martinez to the Cubs for two players to be named later as well. At least with Tommy Malone, it's not anything flashy. And this, this one I feel is a little bit of a letdown for the Braves 
because they've got this young team, you've got Albies, obviously, who's been hurt, but Acuna, uh, Dansby Swanson, you've got Marcelo Zuna, you've got these guys that can win now. And the Braves front office just seems to refuse to push in, push all in for the top line starter or a top line starter, at least a Lance Lynn, a Mike Clevenger, things like that. And it's, I don't understand it. It seems like they're afraid to lose prospects, which you can't be. No. And then they put Malone in to start tonight, and he's already gave up four runs and two innings. Uh, Gave up uh, two homers already. He has one strikeout. So it's like, (laughs) I mean, it is against Philadelphia, so I'll give him a little bit of a break, and he's he's lucky that he has a 10-4 lead. But I just, I mean, I I don't want – anybody out of that bolt that baltimore rotation maybe alex cobb but that's that's even pushing it like baltimore is just really bad when it comes to pitching yeah but malone's not a prospect and neither is alex cobb it's more the prospects i worry about but malone was having a solid season but man even though he's he was pitching mostly in the al east i still didn't trust him i mean you have max freed and ian anderson freed has looked like an ace absolutely and then obviously that missing Soroka hurts, but how do you not push in for a guy that's, that's better? I mean, even if you were to go after a Matt Shoemaker from Toronto or like I said, Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn, or even, uh, I mean, Clevenger would probably be tough for them, but Lynn would probably be a perfect fit for them. So I really don't get it, but I mean, like I said, it's two players to be named. Mm-hmm. So like, we're they're not giving they're, up a lot. No, they're probably going to give up literally bottom of the barrel prospects and i mean and maybe maybe malone um might even go into the bullpen postseason and help out i don't know if he'll be in the rotation forever but they might just leave him there i <laughs> i don't ever trust him no like so he might be the good uh long-term bullpen in the postseason if they need somebody to come in and and pitch a couple innings and take some eat up some innings but this is pretty much one of those trades that's just like who cares you know (laughs) okay and i'm i this is just weird so and then we'll talk about jose martinez first real quick because i pulled up something as well but uh jose martinez to the cubs i like that a lot for them he's been i haven't really checked on his stats this year but uh career 319 with a 946 ops against lefties he's been really good most years this year he's been terrible with tampa bay but i mean obviously with chris bryant and steven Souza jr being hurt and bad this year uh it's going to be a good boost against lefties i don't know how much he'll really play but it feels more like the depth offensive piece for the cubs there that they need yeah i mean i like the trade too i mean he's he's your prototypical like professional hitter I mean, you're never going to throw him out to play defense or anything. But I think the thing that makes the the best thing that happened with this trade is that it's going to give the Rays some some time to uh, play Randy Arozina. Um, yeah, I, I really like that kid, and I think he could uh, do really well. I mean, I don't know if they're going to. I mean, they still have a bunch of players in that outfield. I don't think they're going to give him the shot now, but I think a couple of those players uh, could get traded with. with tonight or tomorrow like like a hunter renfro i can see him get traded um but i don't know i think you went and got arozina for a reason so why not play him 
I mean, he's when he was with the Cardinals in that system, like he did really well. Yeah, well, he's he's been really up and down, Arozarena at least. I mean, 2019 he looked really great with batting over 300 in both levels that he played in. Did really I mean, in only 23 plate appearances, he had a 300 batting average for yeah. the Cardinals last year. Doesn't really say much in such a short sample size. Yeah. But, I mean, there's potential. I didn't expect him to definitely get his chance. He's almost 26. Yeah. I didn't know if he'd be called up. I don't know if they trade Hunter Renfro, though. I think I feel like Martinez was a glut of a position for them. Obviously, DH and non-helping defensive outfielder so they have (laughs) they have some good potential obviously offensively with Adamas and the other guys they've got there but Jose Martinez was one of those guys of hey they got him for cheap so why not so I felt like that was just more of trying to figure out okay if we don't have a DH he should be able to play it yeah I'm looking at the Rays roster right now and I just want to see all their their outfielders and Let's see here. He's, they've got a lot. And, I mean, you still have <laughs> Kiermaier there. You still have uh, Renfro. Manuel Margot. Manny Margot. You've got uh, um, Austin Meadows, of course, when he gets when he's healthy. So You have Yoshi Tsugo. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I don't – and a little bit off subject, but have you been – have you watched any of the Rays baseball this year? Not recently, no. Yeah, because I have Austin Meadows, and I know he's – they're saying he's hurt, but I feel like this whole year since he's came back from uh, COVID, like, yeah, he's had an okay season, but I just feel like if you watch him, because I have him and um, Brandon Lowe as well, so, mm-hmm. like, I watch a lot of Rays baseball, and I uh, just feel like he's – there's something going on with Austin Meadows. I don't know what it is, but like his just demeanor and like, if he strikes out, looks like he doesn't get upset. He, 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 I don't know. It's just something that I've been noticing lately. And then now all of a sudden he's been out of the lineup and it's like, ah, I don't know. It's a little bit worrisome with your, if you're a Meadows owner, because you're like, you spent so much or you picked him up. So in the draft, like you took him so high because of his season last year. And now you're just like, man, I'm coming into playoff time if you're in the playoffs and I can't have a a player that literally doesn't look like he, I don't know if maybe he's seriously hurt and he keeps trying to play through it or he just doesn't care. Like, I don't know. It's just a little bit of an off subject. Well, and then with COVID-19 too, you never know how it affects these guys because you look at uh, Eduardo Rodriguez who for the Red Sox where perfectly healthy guy. I don't know if he had any really underlying symptoms, but then all of a sudden he's having heart issues and, obviously couldn't pitch this year. So I kind of, you do have to wonder of how each of these players took it because you see Freddie Freeman, he had it as well. And he's actually talked about how hard of a struggle it was because he was symptomatic and he had days where he just felt absolutely miserable. He could not move because he's sitting with a 103 degree temperature and his body is weak. So you have to wonder how each of these guys are affected that did catch it, that did test positive and deal with symptoms. So yeah. I, I would worry about that. I think I'm hoping he bounces back, of course, both health-wise and baseball-wise. But we'll have to see what happens with him. 
So why don't we get into some of the actual uh, rumors that are currently going on? And this is what I kind of stopped about for a second is we just finished with the Padres. And as I was searching up uh, Jose Martinez, Jeff Passan is reporting that the Padres are nearing a deal to get catcher Austin Nola from the Seattle Mariners for a highly regarded prospect, sources tell ESPN. So now they're going to have, I mean, Austin Nola has definitely been a guy that's really analytically driven. He's done really well. He's been a late bloomer, but, and he, he can play multiple positions too. He's not just a pure catcher. He's got the athleticism to at least play in left field. If they want him to play some first play second, just kind of as a utility guy, but now they're going to have three Ross, three rostered catchers, possibly four. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> another, and then like he's, I mean, yeah, he's good, but it's another one of those like middle of the pack catchers that you know, like Austin Nola is not going to go in and, and win you a, a game or anything. He might get a base hit, but nothing like crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. It's, I mean, the fact that they just dealt for Jason Castro, I get Austin Hedges has been bad, but now you're going to pair, you're going to trade for two catchers. I felt mm-hmm. like Hedges and. Castro would be a fine enough pair, but I guess they want to just completely change up that backstop position. Yeah, it reminds me of the San Francisco 49ers at the running back position. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, you've got a <laughs> bunch of them, but I mean, at least the 49ers were successful with it. I'll say that much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they had a couple, they have a couple, they have probably what one or two good running backs, but I mean, just how many do you really need? You only, you know what I mean? Yeah. But why don't we get into the bigger names that are here? Because I, I wanted to bring that up just because we were talking about the deal for Jason Castro. <laughs> I mean, and literally five minutes later, <laughs> I see that tweet. So uh, yeah. the biggest one, obviously, is Mike Clevenger rumored for going to the White Sox from the Indians. That was earlier today. Recently, I did see that the Padres are also probably leading that deal right now. But uh, the rumors, at least for the White Sox, were having to deal Kopech and Adam Engel and maybe something else. I would have absolutely taken that in a heartbeat as much as I love Kopech's ceiling. I have nothing against him sitting out, but the fact that you could get, uh, the fact that you could get Mike Clevenger, who's proven, who's older, who would fit well with Keuchel and Giolito and Cease and him, that's a hell of a one, two, three, four combo for your starting pitchers. And he's under contract until the end of 2022. So I would have loved to have seen that deal, but obviously the Padres have a stellar farm system and it's going to be tough to top them if they really want him. So where, where do you want to see Clevenger go? At least do you want to see him go to the Padres? Do you want to see him go to the white Sox? What, what is your preference and where do you think he lands? Um, My preference would be the white Sox. Um, And I also think he, he's going to land with the white Sox. Um, I think that that's like you just said, such a perfect spot for him Um, because with the Indian, I mean, pretty much with what happened with COVID and him not listening to rules, they literally, you know, like he pretty much lost his clubhouse in, in Cleveland. So it's like you had people on the team saying that if you don't do something with him, that they're going to leave. And so at that point he, he has to be moved. And I think for, just viewable baseball. I would love to see him go to the, to the White Sox because obviously the White Sox offensively are, is one of the best teams in the MLB, like for years to come, not just this year. And I think Clevenger would be that like really good piece that just be added in the rotation to help you guys out. Right. It would be nice to see. I, 
it's going to be tough to see if they actually do pull it off. Even if they have to deal an Andrew Vaughn, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing it just because this is one of the chances you get, but man, the Padres are going to look so good if they get him, honestly. You would, you would be willing to get rid of Andrew Vaughn for Clevenger? The fact that you have him for two more years after this, I probably would because you have Vaughn, excellent, excellent hitter. Don't get me wrong. But the fact of you have a Brave for a couple of more years, you still have Eloy who may end up as a DH in his career as much as he doesn't want to. If you do move Eloy to DH, where do you put Vaughn? And I don't think he's a guy you want to keep in the minor leagues for two or three or four years. You really don't need to. No. So, and you're not going to put Abreu on the bench. You're not going to put Eloy on the bench. So it's kind of that thing of you can find first baseman. You can find strong hitters like that. So maybe you get that chance up chance. I think you could take it, but I don't think the White Sox will be in that position, unfortunately, the way that it's looking to break down. So where do you want to see him go? San Diego? I would love to see him land on the White Sox, but out of the teams that I would like to see him succeed in would probably be, uh, yeah, probably San Diego. I don't want to see him go to the Yankees, I don't, which I don't think he would anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big teams that could be buying it, I, the A's would be interesting, but I don't see them having enough prospects. Braves, no. So, yeah, probably San Diego because that – that rivalry between the Dodgers and Padres would get really fun. <laughs> what about Houston? No, <laughs> screw Houston. That's I'm, simple <laughs> as that. I'm done with that. <laughs> I don't want them getting anything. <laughs> but imagine if he did go to Houston though. Oh God. Like just next year you have Verlander. Granky. Granky. You're getting a. Um, Jeez. Clevenger. Yeah. That Clevenger. would be gross. You could get. Uh, I mean, you're still going to have Forrest Whitley up at some point. You're going to have uh, Lance McCullers as your four. Yeah. Your equate, your equate will be back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to see it happen. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then the another rumor that we were hearing about that everyone's talking about because a, he's having a huge year this year and he's always been like a really solid pitcher, but nobody ever talks about him that much but he has one of the bigger names. Uh, Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo are on the block for the Rangers. Um, Lance Lynn is rumored to be uh, going, maybe going to Oakland, uh, Minnesota, of course, San Diego, because they're like trying to get everybody, uh, Toronto and the White Sox. Where would you want to see Gallo and Lynn land? Well, let's start with Lynn. Lance Lynn, obviously, I don't think the White Sox will land Mike Clevenger as much as I would love it. I would love to see him on the south side. I mean, you get, you'd have two really good veterans then between Lynn and Keuchel that know how to pitch, and you have Giolito as your somewhere in that top three, and then Cease as your four. I'd love that as a White Sox fan. I think it would be fun to see him do that, especially against some of the teams he's going to have to face. As a White Sox fan, I'd love to see it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the A's as well. I like that's a team that I'm never going to root against. They're just they're always exciting. They never have that superstar studded roster because they were able to go out and buy teams. They are a farm built team. They always will be. So I wouldn't mind seeing them get a guy like that. But Blue Jays, I don't think it makes much sense. 
they I would hate to see them land there just because they don't have a lot at all. So no, and then the Twins probably not because he's just going to be wasted there. I feel like they'll end up facing the Yankees at some point and lose. So <laughs> yeah, what about you? Well, I not I mean, believe me, this isn't uh, where I think he's going to go. But just imagine Joey Gallo in Colorado. Oh God. <laughs> that would be fun to see i mean he'd be hitting like 500 foot homers and stuff um so gallo i mean i really just don't know because i didn't even like we were talking about this off the podcast i don't even know he was a name that was going to be even being mentioned so i don't really know where gallo uh, could go but if you want to want me to tell you who where it'd be fun i think it would be fun to see him go to colorado i don't like i said i don't know if they're even looking at him but lynn I would like to see him uh, go to San Diego. I think that would be that situation to where just another solid person in the rotation that isn't like their young guys like they have now. He'd be like that veteran piece that would, I personally think, would probably push them up to where uh, the Padres would have one of the better rotations in the NL. Yeah, I would like to see I, – I just want to see Lynn land with an actual contender, not that team that's trying to make a push. So, But then Gallo, uh, I don't know. That's tough. Apparently the Padres are interested in him, which Jesus. I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing it right now. Uh, the Rays are also showing interest in Joey Gallo, which oh, no. that would be fun just to absolutely see him smash that rooftop over and over and over. Cause you know, he's going to hit the, like as much as he pops that ball up, it's going to constantly land in those catwalks. Plus that would make them really fun to watch. And it's good. It would fit their roster as well, because he's still under a lot of team control, very cheap contracts still. So to see Gallo go there, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, especially with the way that they've, played so far they're 24 and 11 four games on top of the Yankees I want to see the Rays succeed absolutely yeah no I mean um like I said I I don't know I don't want to see him go to the Rays (laughs) but I don't really want to see him go to the Padres either really because I'm a Giants fan but I feel like let's just be real I mean the Padres have a legit chance and I definitely don't want to see the Dodgers win so if we can get somebody that can help out maybe knock those Dodgers out I would love to see him go to San Diego. Which, mentioning San Diego, uh, <laughs> I I know you and I discussed it. Bob Nightingale is wrong a lot, but or I saw before we started the podcast that the Padres were the favorite for Mike Clevenger, but now he's reporting it's still unknown where he's going with teams <laughs> upping their offers. They've requested physicals from at least two teams, but not the Padres, who appear no longer to be the favorite. So... 20 minutes ago, they were the favorites. Now they're not. I don't know what the hell is happening with this. I love the hot stove being hot, though. This is what I missed about baseball because this part of the year is always so much fun. Yeah. Breaks up the monotony. Definitely. So, I mean, that's it for that. If we have a lot of trades, I may end up doing a small podcast tomorrow. If you want to join me, we'll see. We'll really have to wait and see what happens. But there's just so much to talk about with just rumors we could go on for hours about it i'm sure yeah i think we should actually just do like a little small podcast tomorrow just like a hot stove edition you know oh yeah just go over go over the trades we won't go over like any ads or drops or anything that's we're doing tonight 
but a little hot stove edition would be pretty fun for tomorrow. Yeah, I would love that. So why don't we actually get into our studs and duds like you mentioned there, uh, and then we'll get into our ads and drops a little bit, or our ads at least. We're not doing drops. We wanted to focus more on the trades that did happen on the possible rumors there was a lot to discuss there so we will not be doing drops tonight but why don't we get into our studs of the week and this one was my favorite it took me I honestly forgot about it when I was setting up the document earlier but my stud of the week is Lucas Giolito with his no hit performance he was one walk away from a perfect game and that was actually the best pitched White Sox game in their history if you look up game scores he had a 99 for a nine inning game because obviously you can get more points and be better the longer you go. But for a nine inning game, that was the best pitched game ever. Even though Burley had his uh, no hitter against the Rangers, you had the perfect game against the Rays. Lucas Giolito was just so dominant against the pirate pitiful pirates. I should say, because no player on their roster that day had a 300 on base percentage, (laughs) but it's still a, huge success to go out there and rip off nine innings no hits one walk and 13 strikeouts he was so good and it was so much fun to watch yeah I mean I don't know why anybody would would go as far as as saying that oh who cares against what team it is you know what I mean (laughs) it's it's a no hitter probably going to be the only no hitter of the 2020 season I mean, let's just be honest with all these double headers. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's just not going to count if you threw a no hitter in seven innings, you know, with all these double headers and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think this will be, I think, I don't know. It's just, it's so good to see Lucas do that, especially with just all he's been through. (laughs) The fact that he was one of the worst pitchers two years ago, literally the worst because he was walking (laughs) as many as he's striking out. It's been an awesome journey for him. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, so my uh, stud is actually a player that I picked up really cheap because nobody cared about him. It's Brandon Belt. Uh, especially this uh, this week, he was on fire. He's pretty much the reason I was able to uh, get into the playoffs by 0.5 of a point. Uh, he went nine for 21 with two homers and six RBIs with a 429 average. I mean, he was hitting doubles. He even legged out a triple. And for Brandon Belt to leg out a triple, (laughs) you had to hit the ball really far (laughs) because he is not fast whatsoever. Um, But, yeah, it's really good to see him do that, especially because, I mean, as as we speak, the Giants are right in the thick of things for that eighth seed. Um, So, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I was – I know we played against the Dimebacks, but it is what it is. I'll take it when I can get it. And yeah, Brandon Bell was definitely my stud this week. Well, mentioning the Diamondbacks, that actually leads me to my dud, which was Cattell Marte. Only four hits and 24 at-bats with three runs scored, no homers, no stolen bases, and one RBI. Average below 200. Terrible week for him. This whole season has been a just garbage season for him. I know it's a small sample size. I know 2020 is weird. But Cattell Marte was a top 50 draft pick, and he killed you this week, and it's he's been killing you most of the season, unfortunately. So it's it's brutal. That Diamondbacks lineup, you and I talked about it over the weekend, of this team is just so weird because they, can, they have these days where they put out eight or nine runs, 
And then the next three days, they'll be garbage. They will not, they'll score one run over the next four games. I, they're such a hard team to read, but you expected Cattell Marte and Starling Marte to be awesome in that lineup. And now they've just done absolutely nothing really. Yeah. Believe me. I know. I, <laughs> I, I actually have two uh, Diamondbacks players on my, my big money league and I always want to like get rid of them, but then I'm just like, man, I don't know if I can. That's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got Starling Marte, which has had a fairly good season. I mean, it's not like nothing crazy, but it's good. And uh, Cole Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, so I know how those Diamondbacks are. I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting in Cole Calhoun anyways, though. He's yeah. never been that superstar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, my dud this week is... This is a surprising one. <laughs> which, it is surprising only because I don't... I think... Is he hurt? I... I don't imagine so, but why don't yeah, you tell the people who it is? It is Charlie Blackman. Uh, this week he went one for 19, his only hit being Homer, and that puts him at a .53 average. I mean, I don't want to clown on him on the podcast if he's hurt, but one for 19 for Charlie Blackman. They were saying this guy was going to hit 500 this year at one point it's a huge slump for him too, because over the last 14 days, he's only had 11 hits on in 50 at bats. So I, I wouldn't imagine that he's hurt. I haven't really seen anything showing it, but I mean, obviously hitting 400, even in a 60 game season is tough, but he has just not looked the same since like a while back. He's only had one home run in the past, 14 days as well so something's going on yeah something's going on with him i don't know and i even uh was seeing that he was getting like benched um like he got uh scratched from a game but that like i said i didn't know if he was hurt or if something was going on so and remember when we do these studs and duds we're not saying duds for like the season you know Mm -hmm. it's mainly for that week so I don't want to say Charlie Blackman's been a dud because he hasn't been. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like this last week for for fantasy baseball, he was he was a dud for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially you're getting used to 400 batting average every <laughs> yeah. week, and all of a sudden it's under 100. You're gonna be a little ticked off. I know yeah. everybody knows players go through slumps, but it's still hard when you see it. Whether it's Bellinger, whether it's Francisco Lindor, whether it's Charlie Blackman, you want those streaks to keep going. <laughs> yeah. But those I that's those were some big ones for us, honestly. I the Brandon Belt one, I remember when he was he was huge. I loved having him. He was so good, just 300, 400, and almost 500 for his slugging. Like that slash line was awesome to have every year. Cause everybody overlooked him. He was never Always. that high draft pick, but you knew you could get a solid first baseman out of him. But it's it's been a long while. But to see him as a stud for once, that is nice. Yeah, no, and like I said, it, I don't know if this is going to continue. Um, so I don't want to go ahead, <laughs> ahead and say he's not going to be someone that like I don't know. I mean, he's not, not your suggested pickup of the week. Yeah, no, I would <laughs> I would definitely keep an eye on him though. Uh, I that's what I would say is I would keep an eye on him. Maybe check in this week, see how he's doing. Um, but definitely I wouldn't run and go pick up Brandon Belt. But if you do have a spot and you need, like you said, you need a solid first baseman that's going to do his job, uh, definitely keep an eye on him. Yep. So before we go to our pickups of the week, which we'll actually get to break down more, 
why don't we take a second and hear a word from our sponsor today? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. So we are doing pickups of the week Obviously, we're not going to do drops. We want to keep this episode more to the actual meat of the matter. At this point, there's not a lot of guys I would honestly drop. Most of your pickups are probably going to be due to injuries, due to guys that are at the back end of your roster that you weren't planning on keeping very long anyways. But this one, I'm surprised how much I've, I'm going to talk about your team. I really, I did not expect to talk about the San Francisco Giants as much, but I I feel like it's been every podcast and it's not something I intentionally do just because I have you as a co-host. It just has seemed to work this year, (laughs) but my first pickup of the week is going to be third baseman, Evan Longoria. If you weren't able to snag Brad Miller last week, which he's still available in a lot of leagues, uh, go ahead and pick up Evan Longoria. He's been really good this year you're not going to get 30, 40 home runs out of him in a regular year, obviously, but he's hitting in the third spot of the order for the giants. He's, he has Mike Yastrzemski hitting ahead of him. So like Mike talked about earlier this year, I hope you have him too. He's been a stud for the team, but with Longoria batting third, he's going to have plenty of RBI opportunities with Yastrzemski and uh, who's the um, um, skipping out on their two hole hitter recently. Well, the last few nights, it's been Alex Dickerson. Yes, but... Alex Dickerson. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, over the past 14 days, Longoria's had 12 runs, two home runs, and 11 RBIs. And he's going to have those RBI chances because of Yaz, because of Dickerson. Those guys seem to get on. They're hitting well. So, I mean, there's the opportunity there. And then the proven stats behind Evan Longoria as well. He has the highest hard hit percentage in his career since 2016 i believe if i remember right but the last three years starting from 2017 here's his hard hit percentages 32.4 37.2 and 40.8 he is crushing the ball like he never has this is his career high so he's he's tweaked something in his game he's found that ability to hit the ball hard again like he hasn't done in a long while since he was with the rays So go grab Evan Longoria if you need a third baseman. If you need a corner infielder, he's going to get playing time, so you don't have to worry about him sitting on the bench too much. So who's your first pickup? Uh, My first pickup is another third baseman, um, Alec Baum. Or has that how you say? Yeah, Alec Baum. Baum, yeah. Uh, You know, he's he's getting – he sat today, I think, but he's getting uh, constant playing time. 
Um, he's off to a pretty solid start. I mean, he, he has a homer, six RBIs, and uh, 745 OPS. Uh, he's just someone that, in that Phillies offense, I definitely would uh, see if he's available in your league and pick him up. I mean, and he's young, so they're going to keep playing him. There's no reason to sit him. Sit him. There's nobody that's like going to take his spot or anybody behind him. Uh, what do you think about Bomb, John? He was almost going to be one of my pickups, but I like Longoria a little bit better just because he's proven. But I Bomb legit was I had him on the document and then changed it before I saw you put him in there. So <laughs> I I'm fully in on it. It's going to be a little bit tougher with him. He's going to have his issues because he is a a lot of people wanted him to be this 300 type hitter with a lot of power. I don't think he's there yet, but he's hitting at an average exit velocity of 90, 12.2, uh, 12% barrel percentage. And he's hitting the ball almost 50% of the heart. Yeah. I can't talk all of a sudden he's hitting the ball hard 50% of the time almost. So the fact he's getting good cuts on it, he's not getting, lucky at this point only a 300 babip so it could take a little bit more of a spike but a guy that the slugging's not coming yet i fully expect it to so i love it there's no one really behind him pushing for playing time not scott kingery you don't have anyone that's they're going to send him for bomb is the future for the phillies so he'll get his chances for sure definitely now onto my uh second one i was actually surprised this guy that this second baseman was not owned as high as I think he should be, especially with the tear he's been on. I mean, even just looking at, I believe ESPN, he's under 50% owned. Uh, Yahoo is usually lower. I think, I feel like their leagues have been less and less recently, but even in fan tracks, he's only 72% owned and he's an everyday second baseman and second base is not that strong. And it's Jonathan scope for the Detroit Tigers. He's got six games coming up this week due to a doubleheader on Friday. He may not play in both. He should, but most of, most likely he should. If he doesn't, oh, well, he's still got five games. But he's got tons of power from the second base spot. I know I've talked about him before this year. Go grab this guy because he's just really good for a middle infield spot with the guys that have been struggling all around the league. Second base, middle infield, utility, anything. Tons of power. He's hitting for a 388 clip over the past two weeks. So he's on that heater, grab that hot bat because there isn't much time left in the season and he's hitting in the two hole and he's not going to be chained, moved from that. There's no one that's pushing for that spot. So scope is going to get that extra plate appearance that you need every day. The fact that Detroit's not a great team, but scope is going to be a second baseman that you can use. And I know I've talked about him earlier this year because he is a two hole hitter. You need, you don't find those types of guys that provide power on the waiver wire all that often you really don't. So go grab Jonathan scope for these last few weeks. Yeah, no, there's another one that I picked up. Like I said, I picked up Dom Smith and then around that same time I picked up uh, Jonathan scope and man, like literally he he's just so consistent. Like he, you know, he's, he's always the one that uh, when I need a big hit, he's gotten it for me. So, yeah, definitely agree with picking up Scope if you haven't already. And I don't even know how he's even available in leagues still, to be honest. But Like with with Fantrax, I get because it is more dynasty. You have guys that in you have the eight or ten man team leagues where you don't have large rosters, so you don't always have that need for him. 
but especially, I mean, you in a lot of, and why can I, oh, come on. There it is. Jonathan. Yeah. He's Jonathan scopes only rostered in 41% of ESPN leagues. Come on. <laughs> like really? Yeah. It's, there's not that many second basemen that I would really want to ro- want to roster at this point of the season. There's he's been really good. So, yeah. Um, well, you, I want to talk about my next guy, mm-hmm. but uh, my computer is about to die. So let me go grab my charger. So if <laughs> you want to keep it. talking about Jonathan scope, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, scope has been really good. The fact that uh, actually let me pull up his stats here. Didn't plan on this, but we can do this on the fly. Uh, there we go. So on the season, he's got 36 hits. So 303 average today, currently with 19 runs, eight home runs and 19 RBIs. No stolen bases. He's never going to provide speed. But if you're looking at all of the second basemen that are available for that spot, currently on fan tracks, and this is with all with at least my league settings, he is the number fourth ranked second baseman. He has one of the best averages. He has more home runs than uh, Whit Merrifield, more than Kevin Biggio. Somehow the same amount as Wilmer Flores. That's ridiculous. But then, I mean, you've got, he's more than Keston Hura, more than uh, Jonathan VR. A lot of these guys are speed guys and honestly better than Altuve, better than Ryan McMahon. These are all guys that went fairly high in the draft. Even Jonathan VR has been mediocre at best with his 10 runs, two home runs and nine stolen bases. Great for speed, but eh, I mean, Muncie's really, even Muncie has had more power, but he's batting at 202. <laughs> Scope has been so good. I don't know how he's not rostered. Yeah, no. And I don't know what happened. I think the dog knocked over or knocked out the charger, but we're all good now. Hey, that's got, all right. You got a lot of information on Jonathan Scope, so please <laughs> go get him. And my next guy is someone that I wasn't able to make it on the podcast last week, and I for sure listened to it. And I just want to reiterate everything that John said last week. If you have not went out and picked up Jake Cronenworth, I don't understand why you're even playing fantasy baseball at this point. I mean, I just looked in in Yahoo. He's 64% owned. How is that even possible? I mean, literally you're getting a guy that is playing every day now. He's in one of the best lineups in baseball. In just this week, he hit 409 and five RBIs. Like, I just don't understand how he is not at this point in maybe the 80s and 90s owned. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to sit him for for anybody. Mm -hmm. I just, like I said, I know last week was mainly go pick him up. But this week for me, it's a, if you haven't, I don't understand what you're doing. Like (laughs) when you listen to this podcast, the first thing you should do when you get to this part is go to your league, go to free agents and see if he's on there and pick him up. I mean, unless injury strikes, which nobody can ever see coming. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I just don't see, I I feel like he's going to be like this the rest of the fantasy baseball season. It's and this is I talked about him in a dynasty aspect because he's he's going to be on this team. They traded for him from the Rays. They loved this kid. They wanted to bring him in. And 
he is 80% rostered on ESPN. So somehow that site, the players on ESPN have that one, right. But somehow in fan tracks, he's only 67% owned. I've had him see, I can actually tell you the day that I picked him up in this dynasty league transaction fantasy. I picked him up August 14th. So I picked him up a week early from our show. And that was yeah. because I had, I looked into him and I knew that he was going to be worth it. So before we move on, I have to talk more about him because the he's just <laughs> so good at everything. The fact that most leagues, he's going to be first base, second base, and shortstop eligible. So like you love him, it's that roster flexibility. He is amazing in that aspect of the fact that he's going to play. He may not get carry that over to next season because of the fact that right now he's played uh, one game at third, six at short, 16 at second and uh, nine at first base. So he's played all over the infield. He always will, whether he gets to keep a lot of that in the next year, not so much, but here's his percentile rankings for some of the biggest things. So his hard hit percentage, he's 80th percentile. There's only 20% of the league that's better than him. His expected slugging, 99th percentile. He's in the top 1% of the league. His expected batting average, 100 percentile. He is one of the top hitters for expected batting average. And that's because his exit velocity is 85th percentile. He is crushing the hell out of the ball with a hard hit percentage of 44%. And the ball is leaving his bat at 91 miles an hour consistently. (laughs) He is just smacking the hell out of the ball. And he always will. He's always had that hit tool. The biggest thing with him is just not getting enough launch angle to get the ball over the wall, but we've seen his power. He has a grand slam. He's the fact that he was part of that uh, four days in a row of grand slams for them (laughs) was awesome. Yeah. And the, he's only 26. It's a late, late career breakout, but he's also got, he's 93, 93rd percentile for sprint speed as well. So he's not a plotter like a Dom Smith or Jose Abreu. So he's going to be athletic enough to be able to toss in a a steal here and a steal there. The hit tool is going to provide you with a 300 batting average. And the fact that, like you said, the playing time is all there for him. He's going to play second. They don't have anyone that's pushing him off from second base jerks and profile sure as hell isn't doing that. And even with Mitch Moreland there, Cronenworth has been in the infield because he does provide defense. Yeah. So this kid, even if you're in a redraft, go get him. But Dynasty, do everything you can to get him off the waiver wire because you yeah. are going to love this kid. Like literally <laughs> must own. Yes. Like there's no, oh, maybe I'll just watch him this week, see how he plays. No, 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 no. <laughs> must own player. But now we've talked about Cronenworth. Now we're going to see I have two pitchers that are – people that I would pick up and you have two pitchers. We'll start with your pitcher to pick up who who's your first pitcher. For me, I'm actually looking at Corbin Burns. He's a guy that I streamed earlier this week. I did not expect that type of performance from him, but he was awesome. He has a lot, a lot of strikeout upside. He is nasty. He has some awesome pitches. The biggest thing with him is his control and whether or not he can keep it. But over the last three starts, he's gone 16 innings pitched with 22 strikeouts and six walks. That is one of the, that's one of the better stretches of his career. So 
And on top of that, he draws two really good matchups over the next couple, uh, over the next two starts where he's going to play Cleveland and the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs are not as scary as you think they are just because Chris Bryant's been bad. You've had uh, guys that just are struggling on that team overall. And I think Burns can still pitch very well there, but I love the start against Cleveland with their pretty much non-firepower team. And with Lindor possibly being traded, I mean, if Lindor is traded tomorrow and Burns still gets to play Cleveland, give me all of that start. And Burns <laughs> is, in, is not highly owned. In Fantraxy uh-huh. is because it's more of a dynasty aspect, but in uh, ESPN and Yahoo, I believe he's under 60% owned in each of those. So you have wow. your chance to go get him. Yeah, no, I just don't know why you don't go get him with that strikeout upside. I mean, he has the potential for blowups. I'll fully admit that. Oh, that yeah, is a that is a danger you put on yourself. But at the beginning of the years where he struggled, he's been much better over the last month or so. Those last three starts have looked really good. And I know the Brewers aren't as great of a team as we thought, as a lot of people thought they would be. But Burns is definitely sticking in that rotation. Yeah, and I mean, remember, everyone, this is 2020 starting <laughs> pitching. we got to remember, this has been a very Ugh. weird year. And if we're going to – I'm going to keep doing it. I know John's going to keep doing it. If you're following us on Twitter, we're doing a streamer of the day, sometimes multiple. And, you know, for for how bad pitching has been this year, we're not doing too bad. Yeah. You know I'll what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and this being our first year doing it too, I'm sh- we're learning from it every day of, okay, well, you go back and look at it and your review of, uh, okay, I see why this didn't work. There was one, it was yeah. an angel starter that I was going to toss out again, or no, somebody facing the angels. I can't remember who it was. But as soon as I dug into it, I'm like, oh, wait, I see that he gives up a ton of barrels. This team barrels the ball a ton, even though they're not currently dominating. And I'm, I'm glad I stayed away from it. I, I'll have to look it up, but there was one where it's just you. as you do it more, I know I've learned of catching those things where, okay, this team does this well and he's bad at this. So it's probably not going to work. Yeah. So it's, it's fun doing it though. I love no. doing the streamers daily. Yeah. And like I said, I missed, <laughs> I missed this weekend, um, but I am definitely going to keep, doing the stream uh i'm gonna probably try to at least post at least one a week maybe in the weekends i'll throw two out but definitely follow us and 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 check out who those are because like i said for as bad as pitching has been this year we're not doing too bad and then one last thing to add about corbin burns over his last seven starts he's only gone six innings pitched once and that was the last game but even then he's gone most of the time he's going uh at least five but he still has only allowed more. He has not allowed more than three runs in his last seven outings. It's either been three or less. And a lot of them being ones and twos because he's not going the full, the longer games, but he's still not going to kill you because of the strikeouts. Yeah. So who's no. your first pickup for a pitcher then? So mine is going to be Ian Anderson of the Braves. Um, I know it's a, <laughs> it's a very small sample size, <laughs> but, and I know the Yankees are missing a lot of their power. But, I mean, this kid went out and went six innings against them and only allowed one hit, had six strikeouts. Um, so that's definitely pretty impressive. And this week he might actually get two starts, and he might be going against Boston and the Nationals. Mm. 
um, which I think is two good starts. I mean, the Nationals, uh, they've been they've been definitely hitting the ball better as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe watch out on that one. But I I just, I don't know. I don't think Boston is all that good, and I think it's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I would I'm gonna go pick him up for both those starts. Um, but that's pretty impressive to come out and one hit the Yankees and strike them out six times in six innings. So that's somebody that I definitely want to take a, uh, a save on and maybe go pick him up. What do you think of him, John? I like him. He's been highly touted. He's a guy that I actually, I think I tossed his name to you in a, uh, when you were discussing trade with another team, you were asking me about him or, but that was one of the names I tossed out to you because I like him for dynasty. He's had his control issues, in the past, especially in the minors, that's the one thing I worry about because the Boston uh, Red Sox and the Nationals both have players that can draw walks. But the fact that he was able to do what he did against the Yankees, it's still a major league lineup, regardless of them missing Judge and Stanton and however many other players they're missing, yeah. Labor Torres. It's still impressive because they still do have good backups. Not same quality, but it is what it is. You, yeah. you take what you're given. But Anderson has that potential. He is pretty heavy ground ball, usually around 46 to 47%. So I like that. And if he's able to do that and keep that up in the major leagues, I think he'll be a good start for this year, especially with, I mean, there's not a lot of pitchers that we're happy with this year. I mean, Luis Castillo has a ERA over four. Garrett Richards and Tyler Glass now both have ERAs over five. And it's been, it's been really tough for pitching this year. I mean, even a guy like Carlos Carrasco of the Indians has been up and down and up and down. And it's, it's, you have to take those ceiling guys every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And Anderson's got that good ceiling for the rest of the season. Yeah. Just someone to, like I said, take a stab at it. I'm sure he's not uh, owned in heavily in leagues yet, just because this was all just pretty recent with him Mm -hmm. coming out, doing it to the Yankees. So, like I said, with pitching being so crazy this year, it's tough, but um, mine would definitely be Anderson. So we got another person. We're going to each do two. Who's your second person? Once again, we're I'm going to dip into a guy I talked about last week with Sixto Sanchez. I called him a pickup. I didn't make him one of my pickups of the week because of the fact that I I couldn't do it on all of the prospects that came up. And Sixto Sanchez was a guy that a lot of people went out and bought right away. But you need to go pick up Sixto Sanchez. He was a guy that when I talked about prospects last week said, go grab him. It's as much as I wanted to say. Because of the fact that there were guys that I wanted to do the deeper dives, the ones that are harder to find. But Sixto Sanchez twirled a gem this last time out. And he was the first, this is the funny thing, is he's the first Marlins pitcher to go seven innings this year. Not too much of a surprise because they don't have the top-end pitching, but and a lot of them are young. But the fact that he was the first guy to do it this late in the season is pretty crazy. And in those seven innings, he went. He only allowed six hits, one walk, and he fanned 10 Mets batters that day. Looked excellent. And he, I called him my stream of the day. Got delayed one day, but obviously picked me up the next. And Sanchez flashes that 100-mile-per-hour heater. He blows it by guys and he's got movement on it too. It's not just a flat pitch straight to where he wants it to go. He's got movement on it and he is just, he's got such a potential right now to where teams won't have time to adjust to him. 
And especially when you're trying to sit on a hundred mile per hour heater and you have some of the braking stuff he does, he's always been known for his control. So your players don't, they have an idea of, okay, he's going to be in the strike zone, but it's not going to be that Edwin Jackson wild all over the place type pitcher. He has pinpoint location, go and grab him because that stuff is playing up at the major leagues right now. And the Marlins are going to throw him out there. The fact they let him go seven innings was a surprise to me. It's not like he was laboring, but you don't see a lot of teams pushing their pitchers this year to go seven or eight. So go get Sixto Sanchez because he has a lot of, (laughs) a lot of potential. It's very similar to Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, no, I, I've liked this kid for a really long time. I'm not like the big dynasty owner, but I do have, I am in a league with the dynasty and, I've always tried to do some trades to get this kid because I really think that he has the stuff that's going to be long-term. So, yeah, definitely agree with picking him up immediately. Um, My next one is actually going to be a little bit of a reach. Um, It's somebody that I've always liked, but I didn't know if he was going to cut it being like a uh, full-time starter. And that's Justice Sheffield of the Mariners. Um, This week he has a great matchup against Texas. Uh, they're only hitting yeah. 213 as a team. I mean, that's second worst in the MLB. <laughs> they're they're bad. I mean, they have good hitting, like good players, but they're just not hitting well at all this year. And he has three quality starts this year. So it's somebody that would probably be my stream of the day um, when he does pitch this week. I know he goes against Texas, but I didn't see probable pitchers this week to see when it will be. But if you do, like I said, follow me on Twitter – I will make him my uh, streamer of the day. So, I like I said, I just don't know exactly what day he's going to pitch, but he is going against Texas is what they've lined him up to be. And it's just someone that I think is going to have um, big-time strikeouts. I know he worked on this, the, his sinker this year, and it's showing success with it. So, And I think, like I said, when he plays against Texas week, it's going to be, I'll say, probably close to seven to nine strikeouts, and he'll probably go about six – six innings. I think he'll get the quality start. Um, so that's just somebody that I would definitely go pick up to wait for to go against Texas this week. What do you think about Sheffield, John? That's bold. I like that call though, going out and calling of what you think his line is going to be. He's had, he hasn't reached that mark yet. He's gotten to seven, but I like the boldness of it. Yeah. Sheffield though, he's, it's not putting him down. But he's done – he hasn't been flashy so far, but his peripherals say he should regress in a positive way. Because yeah. his FIP right now, his fielding independent pitching is below three, even though his ERA is over four. And a lot of that is because he does – he's been able to suppress power so far in his 30 innings. He's only – he's not even allowing half a home run per nine innings. So he's been really good at limiting that, even though his ground ball percentage has been below 50. But – He's done He's done really well. The statistics aren't flashy, and I think he's going to look really good. Texas, like you said, is a bad team. But even though he's not, he's giving up a lot of hard hit percentage, he's not giving up barrels. And when you're looking at both hitters and pitchers, you want to look at that barrel percentage. If you are seeing a lot of barrels given up by a pitcher, it's tough because that means that guys are squaring it up even if they're not getting high exit velocity, it can be very easily because the barrel is the best part of the bat to hit the ball on, of course. But he, 
right now Sheffield is he's 90th percentile in barrel percentage. So he's really good with that, even though he doesn't have a lot of spin. So I, I like that, especially as a deeper cut like that. And his sinker has been really good so far this year with, uh, doo, doo, doo. I mean, he's drawing only 12% whiffs on it and it's been one of his worst pitches, but his slider and changeup are playing well off of that. At least both of those, uh, his slider, especially has been played really well off of his sinker. Yeah. And he, he's only thrown two four seamers this year compared to <laughs> 322 last year, which is crazy. The fact that he's just absolutely ditched the fastball, just gone. Mm-hmm. So the sinker hasn't been doing well, doing excellent form just yet, but it's improved versus what his fastball was last year because that was that was getting hit hard as well. And at least with the sinker, it's harder to give up for home runs because even though he's it's getting hit for a 340 clip. He's yet to give up a home run on it. Yeah. So that's working in his favor there. It reminds yeah, so- me, it reminds me of, almost of like a younger Dallas Keuchel, not as heavy ground ball, but using that sinker to make everything else play up. Yeah. And then, like I said, I just actually looked it up and they have them right now lined up on Friday uh, against Texas. At I like home. that. So I like that. And especially in Seattle, that's a good one. Yep. Do you remember when he was a Yankees prospect? Yeah. I, I, I remember they were, obviously as it so happens with almost every Yankees prospect that get hyped up of this is going to be the next number one pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I don't know if it's just Yankees or just because they developed a decent amount of pitchers at points, but I remember when Justice Sheffield was, he's going to be this number one pitcher and then it's Clark Schmidt and then it's, whatever other pitcher is coming then up. Then it's Garcia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when, when I saw the name, I'm like, I remember when people were hyped for Justice Sheffield. And a lot of it was the 2016-2017 season in, uh, I mean, double A, he had four innings and he had 20 Ks per nine, obviously in a small, super small sample. But I mean, even in his double A's with the double uh, A season with the Yankees, where he's striking out 13 batters per nine, even though he was walking guys, people were like, this is going to be the next big thing. And it's just, he's, <laughs> I, I got to say he's been solid of a career so far, at least for the Mariners. So it's not like he's been a bust. Yeah. Speaking of, of uh, pitching prospects from the Yankees, what do you think of Clark Schmidt? I like him. I like him a lot. I don't see him being this overly studly guy. I'm really surprised they chose to go with Davey Garcia over uh, Clark Schmidt at this point. Yeah. For the, for the double header, at least. I don't think Davey stays up all that long. But the fact that uh, apparently they don't expect him to be called up for the five games in three days that they had. But I think Clark Schmidt is a guy definitely to look at in Dynasty if you get the chance to pick him up. Yeah, definitely. But that's it for today. We talked a lot of uh, a lot of trades. Hopefully, we'll have more to talk about tomorrow if we get it. I'm hoping that the hot stove stays hot like it has been, and it's going to be exciting. But yeah. obviously, we're not going to do drops. And then next week, we'll see how we want to do the show. It'll be a little bit different because we'll be getting ready for playoffs. We'll be discussing a lot of the 
players that are going to be important for your schedule. So we'll do a lot more, I think, of pickups because I don't see a lot of prospects coming up in the next few days, hopefully. We've had an unbelievable amount this year, but it seems like I think we're going to start seeing this plateau for prospects, most likely. Yeah. But uh, if you want to follow our show, follow it at Double Switch Pod on Twitter. You can follow at Dad Socks for my Twitter. And then, Michael, why don't you toss yours out before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm at BearsFan5233. And always send us some mailbag questions. I mean, we, we love to answer them. We're always available. Just send them over to put them, like I said, send them over to the Double Switch Pod on Twitter or me or John directly, and we'll answer them on the show for sure. Absolutely. So for everyone out there, we want to thank you for subscribing, for listening, for joining us every week. We enjoy this. So have yourselves a good night. All right. Bye.